www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 76. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. For this podcast, we've something different for you. It was recorded live just over one year ago on Monday, 25th of February 2013 in the Pig and Whistle pub in Brisbane, Australia, where I was enjoying the warm hospitality of John Lee. John's a native of Ozzeltwistle, so that makes him an Aussie lad in Aussie, and he's been leading the Blackburn Rovers supporters group in Australia and New Zealand, known as Brants. That's uh, B-R-A-N-Z. Brants has its own dedicated forum accessible via the BRFCS website under the supporters group section and it also has an email mailing list that John looks after. With us on that night to talk about things Rovers were Richard Horrocks and George Browning and his father John Browning. They talked a little bit about themselves, how they follow the Rovers from afar and they also gave us their perspectives on the club both on and off the field. As they tell us about their varied backgrounds as Rovers fans, it gives us a bit of an insight into what it means to be a Rover. They talk about the Blackburn Rovers community at the local level, online and overseas. And faced with the uncertainty surrounding the club then, uh, bear in mind Michael Appleton had just taken over from caretaker manager Gary Boyer after Henningberg short and ill-fated term had come to an abrupt end. There's a real desire to come to terms with the legacy of what had been two years of Venkis and Keane at the time and they draw on their experience as fans with a sense of hope. Well I hope you enjoy listening and make yourself comfortable and join us at the Pig and Whistle in Brisbane. First of all I'd just like to introduce you to the uh, uh, Brant's members who are here today. John Lee, that's John Dot Lee on the forum. Uh, how are you today? I'm good, Wayne. How are yourself? Uh, pretty good, actually, yeah. Thank you. You, you brought the rain with you once again, every time we meet. It. Yeah, it was raining last year at the Lord Nelson in yep. Sydney when we met. Consistent. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, uh, my thanks to John Lee for putting me up for the night. Excellent hospitality. Thank you very so much. Welcome, not a problem. You uh you behaved yourself so far. We'll see whether you make it home. Yeah, <laughs> do our best. Do our best. Good, good. Right, and uh, also um, uh, with us is another John. Uh, John Kenyon Browning is uh, his username on the BRFCS forum. Uh, John, how are you today? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, it's great to have this gathering. We, we don't meet very often, so it's a very good excuse with you being here. Excellent, excellent. And uh, you've come with your son, George. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, George, how are you? Um, yeah, well, thanks. Very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, you, you're Australian-born? I am, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, central Queensland. Right. Yeah. Good, 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 good. And, uh, John, you're a native of Blackburn. Yes, I was born in Blackburn, um, lived in uh, Church, Accrington and Aussie, and... Uh, First serious uh, visits to the Rovers were probably 1966. Um, I did see uh, Brian Douglas and Ronnie Clayton play right at the very end, but the, um, the, 
main memories from that era would be um, Sir Roger Jones in goal, <laughs> and also a, a very young uh, Stuart Metcalf. Excellent, excellent. Well, we'll come back uh, very quickly to Sir Roger Jones. Um, before that, uh, Richard, uh, you're uh, uh, not on the forum at the moment. Not at the moment. I did uh, attempt to once, and I'll try and attempt again. Hopefully, be successful this time. Yeah, good. And uh, you're a local? Uh, local to Brisbane. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I've been living here for about um, five years, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, originally born in Portsmouth in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, your connection is your parents? Uh, yeah, my father and my grandfather were born and bred in Blackburn. Um, <laughs> we just have a little house very near Ewood Park. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, must be a tough one at the moment, Portsmouth and Blackburn. Yeah, neither team doing brilliantly. <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never mind, never mind. And just go back to Sir Roger Jones and uh, start off with uh, some old memories. Uh, my favourite players uh, as a kid were Tony Field. Oh, yes, absolutely. And Roger Jones. Yes, yes. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. I loved Tony Field. Um, yeah. He was just so clever. Um, and it was really great to see that he um, came from Southport, but he ended up, you know, as a uh, making a, a good a good life in, in football in the, in the states. Yeah. Yeah. He played with Beckenbauer and Pally, didn't he? Yeah, he went to yeah, Cosmos, yeah, was yeah. it? Yeah. He, I remember that he was very good mm. as a centre forward, not in possession, mm. being fouled by the goalkeeper and getting a penalty. He was good at that. Yeah. Also, uh, my favourite memory of uh, Tony Field is uh, running half the length of the pitch with the ball, dribbling round half the team, dribbling round the the uh, opposing goalkeeper, and screwing it in from an incredibly acute angle at the Blackburn end. Yes. Um, trying a couple of weeks, well, about three four weeks ago, to remember this. Uh, it was either possibly Watford match in that. Uh, all four or five nil in that season. We had a couple of good good victories, and uh, Tony Field scored a couple of goals very similar. Uh, the other one, he didn't uh, uh, twist his ankle when he when he uh, beat the goalkeeper from an acute angle. But that that particular one, he was laid up at the Blackburn end with a twisted angle ankle. Do oh, you remember that one? Yeah, that's absolute classic uh, Tony Field. Very very good close control and a real dribbler. You don't see much dribbling these days, do you? Are there any other heroes of uh, the 60s and 70s that you remember? Well, I left uh, England um, in the 74-75 promotion season. Oh, no. And uh, the player that I most enjoyed from that team was Graham Oates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah. was a tremendous character. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but again, he was one that he obviously had a strong personality because I think he had a few fights yeah. with different managers yeah. subsequently to that. But I really, yeah. I really enjoyed him. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was a really good very stylish as well. Wasn't stylish, it? but yeah. also very hardworking. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's stylish. a good memory. Yeah. 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 Very stylish. Graham Oates. Uh, Graham Holtz, um, also another stylish player was uh, Graham Hawkins. Yes, uh, played at the back. Fantastic. Okay. Mm. Mm. So coming to Australia at the beginning mm. of 1975, you had two options 
finding out the results of mm. the game, you could try to tune into um, BBC World Service on the shortwave, mm. and you may or may not be lucky enough to actually be able to get anything you could hear. Otherwise, you had to wait for the uh, paper to come out on Monday and hope that somewhere you know, on about three pages from the back you'd find a little panel with the uh, uh, Division 3 results on it. Uh, and another interesting yeah, one was yeah, yeah. similar <coughs> to that was the playoff uh-huh. um, the playoff final which occurred uh-huh. I think it was against Palace uh-huh. and it occurred as, as the Red Army was about to invade um, the, uh, the, the demonstrators in, in Beijing right yeah. and um, I was listening to it on shortwave and it was I think it might have been extra time was being played <laughs> and shortly yeah. before the end of extra time the Chinese army moved into uh, yeah. into the square, yeah. and that was the end of the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tiananmen Square. Yeah. 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 That was eighty nine ninety. What was it? Can't remember. But yeah, I it was. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was yeah. here in Australia then, and the only way that I found to get results was in a magazine called, or a newspaper called the British Soccer Weekly. Yeah. But that didn't come out well about when Tuesday or Wednesday of the week. So it's like. You were waiting, you knew the game had been played on Saturday, and you're waiting until Wednesday to try and find the result. And for such a big game like that, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to wait until. Go down the news. I didn't buy it, I just went down the news agents and had a look at it. And so that we lost that. And put it back on the shelf, I'm not going to buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I started uh, out in Japan in 1984, and uh, the Japan Times used to have. The results from uh, from England on Monday or Tuesday, and basically you you get the uh, the first division, maybe the second division. So you'd have to wait two three days, and you may get the result. Yeah. <laughs> this is before the internet, of course. Well, uh, before the world went went for sure. So yeah, just. No way of keeping in touch. So, George, I guess that um, you grew up as a Blackman fan yeah, with very little choice. Well, I guess you could say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, the easy, it's very, it would be very easy for me not to be a, a Blackman yeah. supporter. In fact, it's pretty inconvenient, um, <laughs> especially, especially at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, getting up or, or staying up until three thirty. Trying to listen to the, a, an online radio stream is uh, not the best thing. <laughs> Once a week, or twice a week, all the time, uh, and it pro- it's certainly not the same kind of story that you would get from someone who who went to all the home games and growing up and even travelled around a bit. It's more a story of uh, sort of going in and out of of being a close supporter and then definitely always always identifying and and, and being a, a supporter. Yeah. Uh, I remember the championship seasons uh, around 2000. Uh, pretty well, support waned pretty a lot, a lot then, just yeah. only because uh, you know there was no, no no news around it or anything like that. Uh, and then again, probably more to do with me around uh, you know 16, 17, 18. I uh, went away from it, and it was actually a trip to the UK uh, about five or so years ago now that uh, brought me back on, and I went mm. to a few a few games. And, and uh, I think I've watched almost every, call it every game, by commentary or, or on the telly since since that trip. So a memorable game at Wigan. Yeah, I saw. Well, that's good actually. We oh. saw. Uh, I've only Stephen seen Stephen Reid's goal was it? 
No, 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 not not memorable that way. Uh, we were lucky enough to see Paul Vince's last game and <laughs> Sam Allardyce's first game oh, last right. time we were in the UK. So yeah. maybe only maybe only three or four years ago. But, yeah. Yeah. but that was that was. Uh, I mean, we lost three 0 but it was still a fantastic experience. And we were sitting amongst all these Wigan supporters and the and the bloody. Every time they scored, they scored. They won three 0 You might remember. Uh, but that was an experience, and then I've seen, I've seen us draw against. I saw us, the, the following game was a draw against Manchester City, right. two all. Two, we were winning in the 85th minute, and uh, Rubinho mm. popped up with an equaliser in, in injury time, which was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was good to go. You know, feeling going ahead was good, and then you get the, <laughs> you get the feeling of uh, disappointment. Mm. But. That's, it's still good to be at the game. Just even getting the chance to feel that disappointment and being there was, was mm. is, is excellent. Yeah, mm. something you don't get here. Mm. Yeah. yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, you, you don't go go over to the UK every year, of course. Not at yeah. all. No, yeah. I've been there. I've been there three yeah. times. Yeah. The first time was uh, in the glory days when I wasn't old enough, right. according to uh, according to my parents. But but my older brother went. My older brother isn't a, doesn't follow the Rovers anymore. Mm. Um, but uh, the, I've been there twice after that, and yeah. saw saw two games each time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Richard, uh, born in Portsmouth, and, and you emigrated uh, thereafter. And you you were brought up as a, a Rovers fan in Portsmouth, or were you too young at that stage? Yeah, I think I was too young. Really, was, um, yeah. the first football match I saw was the FA Cup final in. 
Well, uh, going back to uh, what John and John were talking about, the uh, I remember one moment where I really uh, my my sort of following of Rovers uh, went up a notch was or several notches was when we got finally got uh, cable TV because this was around the early two thousands, the first season back in the Premier League with Sunus, uh, and you got usually two games a week on uh, on. Cable television, or it was satellite television uh, out there. Uh, and I remember the first game that, that was that was tele- because there was only two games a week. Of course, it would be Manchester United, and there'd be one other game, usually Arsenal or uh, Liverpool. You know, they was, those were the main teams. So if you played against them, mm-hmm. you'd be on telly, but obviously you'd, you'd often lose as well. Um, but there was one game where we think it was a possibly a two-all draw. I remember Keith Gillespie scored an equaliser, I think. And, and and that was that was excellent. That was that was the first game I was actually able to see, rather than uh, you know hear about or anything anything else. And that was that was excellent. So I think it was I think it had been available for possibly five to ten years on satellite television before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've got viewers' choice as well. So especially definitely uh, in the last several years in the Premier League, mm-hmm. we've been on almost every week, which has been yeah. excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. Really changed the whole. The whole experience of following from overseas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, um, you had the the red button option uh, to to watch pretty much every Rovers game uh, for exactly. for quite a few few years. Uh, John, you used to use that facility rather a, a great deal, I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you're not in the Premier League, you might as well not play football. As far as Australia is concerned, it's. Yeah. Uh, it, it's Really patchy. There's a little bit of a highlights program that runs, but they move that well, around all the time. They do. Well, they do that. They do the whole football league in 30 minutes. Yeah, they do the Premier League now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised, really, that you can't just stream the games online. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty. When you think about it, the technology's been there for yeah. several years. It's pretty, pretty incredible that it's not available. Really, I think there's a big demand for it. Satanta seem to have the rights to the uh, football league in this country, so yeah, I'm surprised that they haven't. They show a lot of Scottish Premier League, yeah. oh. <laughs> which Rangers aren't even in there. So well, they, they, show, one team yeah. they show a lot of Rangers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah Scottish right. third division. Third division. <laughs> yeah. Some every weekend. <laughs> um, going back to uh, memories and so on, um, Richard, you. Uh, you can remember some live live action back in the nineties when you were still in Portsmouth. Did did you go along to Southampton at all uh, to, to watch us when we were down there? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't travel up there either, uh, unfortunately. But um, really, I, I I did actually move up to uh, Blackburn when the I think it was I got a, I got a job at the infirmary as it was then. Yeah, um, and in the in the same. Period where the infirmary moved up to Queens Park, yes, yeah. and became the one big hospital there. So uh, Two thousand six, six. Yeah. 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 yeah, I remember. But yeah, um, mm. and obviously I went to every single game when I was there, uh, living and working in Blackburn. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, never got to. Uh, well, the one game I did travel up from Portsmouth to Blackburn was the second leg of the League Cup mm-hmm. against Sheffield United. Yeah, I can't remember when United, United, but uh, and obviously we beat them to get through into uh, the Worthington Cup as it was then in Cardiff. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. um, 
I think that's yeah, the furthest I've travelled to, <laughs> from Portsmouth to go and see them. We also beat uh, she- Sheffield United, was it? Was it United? Yeah. Uh, uh, Wednesday, yeah, it was one of the Shepherds, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. and of course when we met Tottenham, didn't we, in the in the when mm. the cup in two thousand two? Yeah, yeah. I think it was Sheffield United we beat to get. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we had. Um, I was United on Wednesday. Yeah. Anyway, we we played we'll Arsenal, and uh, we hammered hammered Arsenal, which was really pleasing for me. They had uh, Junichi Inamoto playing for them oh, that okay. night. I think it was his. Uh, his uh, debut for for Arsenal and uh, he was absolutely rubbish and uh, that was very pleasing for me (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah absolutely smashed Arsenal so this year we've uh, mullered Arsenal 1-0 away and uh, yeah could be uh, a good times roll in the FA take positives we need some yeah too right Talking about positives, um, you're <laughs> you're from Portsmouth. You're a Rovers fan, which at the moment doesn't bode too well. No. But uh, we've got uh, Michael Appleton and what seems to be half of the the Portsmouth backroom staff mm-hmm. with us now. Um, what what do you make of uh, Michael Appleton? Uh, I like his honesty, um, especially after uh, you know post match uh, conferences and um, the way he just dissects the. Performance. Um, he's very clear about what's gone wrong in the match. If anyone does go wrong, and, um, and how he's going to remedy that for uh, the next match, um, which is something I believe we didn't have with Steve Key. Yeah. And um, so that's a breath of fresh air, I think. Um, I think if he's given the time and the resources, um, we should uh, certainly uh, be able to have a bit more success than we have done in recent years. Yeah, I think the, you know, the uh, breath of fresh air is. is uh, I was thinking the same phrase actually as you were talking. Uh, the just the just his attitude, I think. Yeah. Um, I think with Henning Henningberg was a bit of a strange one, but um, I thought his managerial record wasn't um, superb when uh, <coughs> when Vegas went for him, really. But, so. but I mean. How superb was 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 my Puppetons? I'm not really sure, but mm. uh, you know, he had a tough job at Portsmouth, obviously. Exactly, um, exactly, yeah. exactly. But you don't really, you know, you know, you don't tell the managerial record tells you half the story. True. Uh, but I think that um, I've been, I've been, I've just been impressed with Mike Puppeton. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Certainly, it was a, a big worry to me. Uh, that he left his previous job after four weeks. I must admit that made me very nervous. But uh, I think what we've seen since is uh, he seems to be able to uh, be clear to the players what he expects and they seem to respond to that. Yep, Hoppleton, for me, he, he would have had Michael Appleton after... Sam Allardyce, then we'd be in a lot better place than what we are now. Yeah, he's just probably the Premier League. Yeah, <laughs> we would. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, unfortunate we had to go through Steve Keane and um, yeah, Edinburgh and everybody else and all that sort of garbage. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. When Allardyce went, 
at the time I was maybe naive, but I was a little bit excited thinking, all right, we've got to this level, but now we need somebody to take us to the next level, and somebody's going to come in and it's going to be good, and it just didn't work, did it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd, there, was two, there was a lot of people complaining about Allardyce for what he was doing, and um, yeah, unfortunately it's all come back to bite us all the bum, hasn't it? And from, a, from an Australian perspective, getting up in the middle of the night to watch... Sam Allardyce's Blackburn yeah. draw nil nil with yeah, right. whoever you're was right. just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was quite I was quite happy as well. You're right, but then when yeah. you look what we got instead, it's like bloody hell! You know, give us Sam Allardyce back. Oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think yeah. Well, in fact, in in those days, we could actually get up and watch Rovers live now. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. After the championship, yeah. we we were completely disconnected from uh, Rovers now. And, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I personally, I I used to. Um, watch every Rovers match, you know, at so whatever time we were yeah. on it, mid, it so, midnight, 1am, and I haven't actually got up and, or stayed up and watched the football match for quite a long yeah. time now, because we're not in the Premier League, and I've lost a little bit of interest in it. Yeah, same. but unfortunately that's rubbed off, because I don't even watch Premier League games now, because yeah. we're not in the Premier League, so I'm exactly. not yeah. that bothered. When, when we were in the Premier League, you had your finger on the pulse of the whole league, you knew, yeah. you knew, you knew the players to watch, the teams to watch, yeah. and now, disconnected from that. And it's not it hasn't been replaced by anything really. No. I mean, Dad and I, Dad and I have uh, listened to all or nearly all of the, the uh, radio streams. Yeah. Live, but it isn't. I mean, I was nodding off the other night uh, against against Leeds. I'm sure probably some of the people on the stands were as well. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not particularly satisfying. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that uh, strikes me particularly after seeing some of the recent performances is that even though Appleton's brought a lot of probably fighting qualities to the club, there's now a really serious uh, rebuilding that's required and uh, he does need to be given the time to do that. And if the setup can be maintained in terms of uh, the youth uh, and also he seems to be, Appleton seems to be well aware of the, some of the quality uh, among some lower league players who, who can move up, seems to me that uh, uh, there could be the basis of uh, you know uh, a good team coming through. But um, I think what this season shows is that uh, uh, you can't you can't just create a promotion winning team out of the out of the championship in one season. No matter how much money you've got, because it's uh, it's a long season and it takes a lot of character. And uh, it takes a lot of method, so hopefully he will be given the chance to do that. I think um, the the squad is the, the, squad, the squad that Steve inherited was was, uh, was was obviously very competitive. It had been under Sam Allardyce, and I think we had good players. And the squad that Henning Berg inherited was had a lot of problems with it. And I do feel a bit for Henning Berg regardless of what his actual capabilities were as a manager because of the squad that he was working with. And he, to his credit, I think, he gave Ruben Rashina a big chance to to rise up and, and drive the team, and well, several chances, really. And, and Rashina didn't, in my view, take those, take those opportunities. And that was really the end of Henningberg, I think. And I think the, the squad that Appleton's working with has still got... Keen's fingerprints all over it. Uh, so, and and I mean the the fact that from the first few games of this season we were sent, we were saying the central midfield is 
just completely dysfunctional. And it still is. We haven't done anything to to fix that. And I, the defense, I'm not, I'm not I, in my view, we've got the, by far the best defense in terms of the players in the league. We've got a, we've got a, a good Premier League defending so, uh, lineup, but we haven't actually showed it until 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 Appleton took over. Um, He's definitely short things up anyway. Mm. A lot more confidence looking at the team that we're not going to get uh, thrashed even if we do get beaten. So, yeah. Yeah. My uh, major worry is um, if we don't get promoted this season, can Appleton keep the quality of the squad together? I mean, Rhodes, is he is he going to be able to keep him? Do you, I don't know if anyone knows, is there anything in his contract if we don't get um, promoted in the first um, time of asking? Is is he allowed to speak to other clubs? So, not that I'm aware of. No, not that I'm aware of. No. Yeah, that would be my worry anyway. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's obviously quality. He's a gold machine. I reckon he can cut it in the Premier League as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of those teams will come in for him, I think. Well, and the other thing to me is that um, no matter what we think of the owners uh, and uh, what they've achieved up to now, um, we, we are relying on them to continue to put money into the club uh, in order to give ourselves a chance of getting out of this league, and who knows as to whether or not they're in a position to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking with my dad, because obviously we don't get to see a lot of, as much of the games on TV at all, but um, I'm speaking with my dad who goes week in, week out. Um, my dad's very conservative and, and often quite negative as well, but. He's mentioning Jordan Rhodes in the same breath as Alan Shearer. Mm. I know we're in a different division, you know, and my dad accepts it as well, but just, you know, as a mark of the player, and my dad's, you know, quite critical and a shrewd judge of a player. And uh, Jordan, I wish we could see more of him, but we just denied it because we're in the championship and you never see anything of him. I think, yeah, uh, but uh, he sounds very excited. I think what a good thing for us is that Rhodes could probably use another one or two seasons in the yeah. championship. Yeah. To there's, there's some aspects of his game that are lacking and probably have showed in the last couple of games, I think. Yeah. Uh, mobility and um, from, from the sounds of it, anyway, uh, not particularly mobile, not yeah. his, I don't his know, speed. I just, I just wish I could see him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe his physical presence as well. I was going to say. Hold up the, play. Yeah. So I think he could probably use another season in the championship uh, for him personally. The problem is, 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 he, is he 23 at the moment? Uh, I think that's his age. Is that right? So yeah, he's not, um, you know, like not really an old teenager. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Um, coming into his uh, prime now. And if a Premier League club does come in next season, I think he'll look at that and say it's time for you know, it's his time. That's my worry anyway. So, well, yeah. we should get well compensated. Yeah. And yeah. Need, I mean, we don't really. We obviously need we need a goal scorer, but if we got enough money for him, we could probably benefit quite well from from selling him. As well, so. But he's another great example of uh, Chevy Singh's nose in the transfer market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we just glad that Chevy stood stood by him and said, "Yeah, we're going to sign this player." He certainly Jeez. took the credit for it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, great contact. Well, that's um, another thing about um, Venki's obviously the most understatement that they've made one or two mistakes since they've uh, taken over a club but um, I just try and look for something positive and they did stump up eight million of their own money to buy him so um, you know the Walker Trust would 
don't think I don't know if they had the money, but they wouldn't well, they wouldn't put that sort of money in. I don't think uh, to buy a player like that. So. Mm. Yeah, um, Gordon Lee back in the seventies, around about seventy three, um, he made an early decision to uh, regroup, as it were, um, spend the rest of the season after he'd come in, uh, basically get, getting things right from the back, mm. and then seventy four, seventy five season, um, he made the push for promotion. Uh, John, you were around at that time. Mm. Uh, the, 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 John Lee, you were just about to that come onto the scene. Yeah, that you? was my first season. Just really started yeah. to watch her, obviously. Yeah. I remember yeah. my dad coming yeah. home from one game. Uh, I think he threw his flask across the room because it was been on the news or in the sports pink that we'd sold Paul Bradshaw to Wolves. Because I got me thinking of... Uh, yeah. Roger Jones was Bradshaw the phone from Roger Jones or was there somebody in between yeah, yeah no, great keeper and we uh, sort of just moved him on the next night mm. but that's the way football is isn't it there's always somebody ready to take your, your better players and that's Jordan Rhodes I love it for you and uh, you know, the thing yeah. we've been through many times it's, uh, yeah. as soon as you think you've got a good one somebody else comes along and takes them off you yeah. that's been a lifelong yeah. problem being a Rovers fan isn't it? it's yeah. a double edged sword I mean you want to see fantastic players coming through and playing out of their skin for you, but you know that there's the so-called big teams sniffing around, yeah. um, and they'll just poach them off you in a season or two. So. I remember, yeah. I remember when we, I, I cried when we sold uh, Alan Shearer. <laughs> I remember Dad saying, "Oh, you know, we can buy two Robbie Fowlers with that with that money." <laughs> I said, oh, "I don't want two Robbie Fowlers." <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying Robbie Slater, but uh, <laughs> he was already he was already there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, we could have got more than two Robbie Slaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's always got a good uh, word to say about Robbie's when he's um, commentating on Fox Sports. So. Yeah, Robbie. Yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. Even though he's a Liverpool fan. He's more interested in Liverpool. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah. He likes to remind us as the only Lancashire born player to play in that team. Yeah, trying. <laughs> he immigrated when he was six months old, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's a photo in his uh, autobiography of him and the War Brothers both playing for like an under 10s football team. And it's like three future captains of Australia are playing on the same team. Amazing. So the the, uh, the Gordon Lee connection, uh, I think it was also fairly similar with Howard Kendall uh, when he took over. It, do, you, do you see that we're rebuilding? this season in preparation for a push next, next season? Well, you'd like to think so. I mean, <coughs> it's one thing for that to be in the manager's mind, but of course, it's only when it works that you remember. Like, we can say, you know, Howard Kendall, yeah, Gordon Lee, that's what they did. Yeah. I suppose in some ways, every manager comes in uh, with that kind of a view, uh, but mostly <laughs> um, nobody remembers because, uh, it did, you know, nothing much happened memorable. Yeah. Uh, so you'd like to think so, and and uh, yeah, I mean, when you think about the current structure of the team, there's just these huge gaps. Um, so you, you can't expect to do anything from where you are without actually uh, a getting people really clear on um, what the playing style is and what their jobs are, but then bringing in the right people um, to fulfil those roles that currently aren't being covered, or or there's no there's no covering because, you know, it only takes a couple of injuries in that team and you're really in a 
But I mean, you've only got, um, you know, in terms of central defence, for example, yeah. you've only got Jeeva, yeah. you know, you've got, you know where his head is, and that's it. Yeah. You know, if the others get injured, you know. So, I'm amazed by this concept of the emergency loan window that's oh. available. For, when does that ever close? Is it, is it always an emergency? And yeah, who judges the criteria of what constitutes an emergency? Is it's, it yeah. just seems a bizarre, a bizarre sort of arrangement that uh, uh, you can bring somebody in. Mm. Lucky for us. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. There's, talk, there's still talk of... Uh, Jerome Thomas. Jerome, uh, Jerome Thomas from West yeah, Brom, yeah. 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 I don't know if we need emergency cover in that position. I think there's other areas where... Yeah. Mm. Does everyone agree that central midfield is the, the, the key area? I think I do, but it's hard to say because we don't see mm. the bloody game. So mm. it's, from everything that I can read, everything I can gather, yeah, yeah central midfield seems to be the yeah. area. It was, there was a handful of games in the first half of the season, possibly four, if that, that were on TV. One of them was the uh, yeah. the Petersburg game, which was yeah. a big high. Um, but certainly the, the most of the ones we saw was Etuhu and, and Murphy, and they played too close, too deep, didn't work. Yeah, um, yeah but we've never seen them playing with a decent manager either, so you don't know how they go. I mean, to what extent is it just the fact that they were just left to do their own thing? Yeah. Or to what extent they actually can't do what they were being asked to do. Yeah, I don't know. There's a bit of me thinks that they must be able to ask because they've done so well in the Premier League for quite a while at Fulham. They can't be that bad, surely. Yeah, yeah. Murphy's had a few very good games. Yeah, yeah. And it's had a lot of yeah. less good games. I think he was given the chance to exercise some leadership and I think that's what he needed. Yeah. yeah. I think even footballers say that just suddenly something changes in their body and they just can't do what they used to do. Mm. And it seems to happen very suddenly. And I don't know if that's happened to Danny Murphy, but I know that the fans that uh, go to Ewood you know, week in, week out, I don't think any of them are very happy with his overall performances. So, mm. um, yeah, he's, uh, I think it's not helped by the fact that uh, you know they were given um, big pay packets and a long contract. Yeah. You know, and yeah. It's kind of yeah. compounds the disappointment. <laughs> you know, yeah. The, the current predicament that we're in is uh, as a result of uh, a couple of years of mismanagement. Um, now, being away from Blackburn, looking from afar, um, you know, how has it been to to watch the developments? Um, you, you're limited in terms of your access to information. It's difficult to work out what's really going on. Uh, uh, how, how, how have you uh, been feeling uh, uh, about these last couple of years? What's, uh, what's your view of the last two years and, and where we're going now? I think in terms of access to information, uh, we are very fortunate to be living when we are because really there's not any great difference in the information we've got access to than the people who live at home, apart from actually seen the games being played. So I think if this had happened 15 years ago, um, we'd just be totally in the dark. However, having said that, um, I guess while it's been extremely disappointing and at times, you know, people just talked about it just being a circus, uh, which, I, which I believe it probably was, I think at the same time, um, 
in a sense, the way the way that football has changed, the amount of money that's in it, the, uh, uh, the requirements for investment, the very competitive nature financially that's there, in a sense, um, it's very it's very risky. So in a sense, I think Rovers have either had to find, you know, another Jack Walker, um, or uh, and risk everything to get another Jack Walker, or else, alternatively, to you know slide into obscurity, yeah. you know, like a Sheffield team or a uh, you know a Leicester or a, or a Coventry. So, in a sense, while it's very disappointing and personally um, um, something that uh, uh, has been very hard to accept, I think at the same time it's, it's standing back from it a little bit, which we maybe we can do easier here. It's also a a symptom of the way that football in England has gone, and the kind of uh, the kind of risks uh, and, uh, that, that, that are part and parcel now. Um, you know, people said that Jack Walker, um, you know, bought the bought the Premiership. Well, hell, you know, uh, look at the situation now. There's no comparison to that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mention about living when we are that we've got accessibility to information, but I think that's part of the problem as well. There's just that much yes. conspiracy theories and so many people have got a platform to go and spout their opinion and blog this and do that and sometimes you're better off not knowing in a way you get too much information and people forming their own agendas and trying to push their own barrow for whatever reason it creates a lot of disharmony and disunity as well and yeah, factionalizes mm. things and well yeah that's one of the things that, re- that really upset me about the whole thing was the degree of bitterness and rancor that was yeah. there and, you know, spending all those years on the riverside and the, 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 the very negative, critical attitude which seems to be part and parcel yeah. of the town's yeah. culture, um, you know, that's bad enough. But then to end up with, this, with the viciousness, yeah. I mean, at the end that's of the right. day, yeah. um, I know that, that football is a cruel game and I know that crowds can be very cruel. But in a sense, it ended up being against themselves, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and that was very counterproductive, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know? It's one thing having a whinge and a moan in the tap room, yeah. but then when you start publishing it and putting it out into the world, yeah. and everything becomes available, yeah. it's yeah. But also, I think it, it ended up reflecting very badly on Definitely. the club and on the community Definitely. in ways that people yeah. probably didn't intend at yeah. all, you know. Yeah. You said about community thing. <coughs> on a personal note, I just want to say thank you to the club. Um, in my family there's been a bereavement recently and the club have acknowledged that and they put something in the match day programme and they've been absolutely great so thank you very much, thanks for that That's uh, Joe Lee, your uncle uh, passed away uh, two, two and a half, three weeks ago Yeah, Yeah. 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 He had his uh, funeral recently in Oswald Twistle he had of his flag on his coffin as he got oh, right. into the grave, yeah. and as they were bringing him out of the um, out of the yeah. church, yeah. they were playing uh, the Wild Rover, <laughs> no name ever, as they brought him out. So he, uh, yeah. he went. He had a good send off and went out in the in the style that he would have wanted. Well, one, one of the uh, one of the positives of the last few years is that you know, we, uh, it's brought. I think it's brought us together here, and it's connected small pockets of Rovers fans around the world yeah. to the to the to the <laughs> more close. Uh, Blackburn community and Rovers community. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. 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 I think that's what the current owners don't understand is how important the club is, not just as a sporting stadium. Or, I think it's more than entertainment, really, to be honest. It's uh, about galvanising the community there in Blackburn. And, um, 
it's, it's obviously a working class town and uh, probably done. in a lot of the UK there isn't much work going around at the moment so uh, it does give a bit of um, I don't know if hope is too much of a family you know but um, just a positive you know and uh, what's been happening it's just the worst thing that could happen to a, a small uh, working class town like that then. I remember going going back to uh, the UK in 1992 um, I was in Japan at the time I saw rovers were, go were going up then saw they'd gone up I was definitely going back <laughs> no chance and uh, going to Blackburn for those years from 92 through 95, 96 unbelievable and the atmosphere around the town was just incredible, it was electric and uh, yeah, everyone says this, that the, the impact on local industry, commerce, was phenomenal. And uh, I think Sir Bill Taylor was uh, talking about this in the last podcast. I mean, you can go anywhere in the world and you just say, hey, I'm from Blackburn, and suddenly people say, oh, right. And I used to have to say, I'm, I'm from near Manchester. Yeah. And uh, now I, I, I'm from Blackburn. And if they still don't get it, they say, you know, Blackburn Rovers, the football team. <laughs> and if they don't get that, oh, okay, I'm from New Manchester. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, it was incredible. Yeah. And yeah. Th that has to be recognised that it's, uh, you know, we are, we are a, a, a medium-sized town, I think. I, I wouldn't call us a small town, 100, 110,000 population, Blackburn with Darwin. Uh, it's a sizable community. Uh, and, and it's also the outline... Areas like, say, Oswald, Twistle, Aquinton, Gretarad, um, Warley, Clitheroe even, and uh, then out to the, the, the west, uh, you've got Leyland and areas around there, which still Chorley, Blackburn fans around there. Uh, you know, there's a, a pretty sizable community there, and they do take great pride in Blackburn Rovers. And, uh, yeah, I think that has to be recognised. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Been recognised at all so far, to be honest myself. Yeah, I think slowly the the the, uh, the, the Venkis are working this out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> understanding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just to talk about the uh, just to talk about the uh, the degree of information we've got access to, I would certainly like to thank you in and the uh, RFCS because I think that the podcasts are a very good source of information and insight um, because of the way that uh, you do um, get the engagement from people who've got something to offer, uh, knowledgeable people. Uh, you do it in a, um, a very um, impartial way, I believe. And uh, um, I think uh, there's a lot of, a lot of local, local colour as well in, in what's put in the podcast, so I find that something that um, I feel that it's reliable information, but it also um, provides, yeah, those little local things like, you know, the, the coffin and everything that you just wouldn't pick up from any other type of medium. So I've been really impressed and enjoyed the, having the opportunity to be able to access those. So, yeah. Very good. You're very welcome. I think the other thing uh, which is interesting, because what Richard was just saying, of course, is that I don't know about all these younger people here, but of course... Part of the thing with Rovers is, you know, um, the 1880s, winning the FA Cup three times, uh, being the league champions in 1914 or whatever it was, 
And certainly for me, that was always, you know, the glory days of the past. And actually, and actually think about the length of time since then. And to have actually lived through the period of the third division, yeah. week in, week out, uh, and then to have lived through winning the Premiership. I mean, that's something that very, very few football fans are ever going to experience. And particularly the way the Premiership is now. Um, you know, I think that's really, it's very, very special. You know, whatever happens in the future, that's been very, very special. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's um, interesting that you, 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 you're thanking uh, uh, me and BRFCS. Um, for us, it's also absolutely incredible that we get these people uh, to contribute to the community um, through the website, uh, the forums themselves, um, the front page, as we call it, the news, um, you know, Parson Blues match reports are absolutely stupendous. And uh, I'd like to have have uh, the the match reports eventually in, in a kind of archive. Uh, I'd like to make sure that they're they're kept for historical purposes. And um, you know the, the podcasts we, we get people on uh, who have uh, local significance and, and also national. I don't know whether we've got international significance yet, but. You know. um, <laughs> you do now, yeah. But um, it, it's uh, it, it's great that people uh, participate in the community uh, through the you know the online experience uh, and uh, um, you know make sure that there's something of interest for other Rovers fans to to touch and feel. So um, yeah, I, uh, uh, thank you for the comments. It, uh, it, it's it's kind of um, uh, reciprocal, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Very very much uh, appreciative of of people giving their time, uh, their energy, um, because most people are just incredibly busy. Uh, the people we ask onto the podcast uh, are you know, generally very busy people, and they give up the time to come on and uh, uh, talk to us about things that. We have no uh, knowledge about, uh, uh, no expertise in. Uh, so yeah, it's it's absolutely uh, uh, wonderful for for me to be able to facilitate that, as it were. So yeah, it's great. Right. It's, it's funny. There's a difference between hearing someone talk about something and reading what someone's written about something on the internet. I think the, something that's really valuable that we miss out on that you might not think is just the little tidbits and yeah. even just the personal interface that you, yeah. you might get uh, if you were sort of more locally based. Yeah, um, yeah the, the personal aspect is interesting. Um, I remember when uh, one or two of our uh, uh, esteemed members appeared on the podcast and <laughs> all of a sudden people have a different perspective on them, quite, quite different. Voices are important. Mm. Intonation is important, and uh, the, uh, the the tone and the, uh, uh, the the attitude of, of people comes through in a different way. So uh, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting medium, uh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Good. So um, yeah, moving on. Uh, 
future prospects uh, for the Rovers aside, what about here in Australia? Um, B-R-A-N-Z, Brands. Uh, what, what, uh, what do you want from you know, a, a, a loose, loose affiliation of people down under? Uh, what are you looking for? John? I don't... We're looking to try and bring people together, I think. Try and give them that opportunity to get in touch with each other because it's a big country and we're sort of spread out, but... I don't know. Sometimes I feel a little frustrated in that you're trying to facilitate all that and make it happen for people, but it just doesn't happen. And maybe that's the current climate of the club at the moment, maybe. And yep. Maybe it's a, it's a wet Monday night in Brisbane as well, and that's why... Um, Maybe I'm feeling a little bit despondent as well because you're hoping that because I know that there are people out there that care passionately or appear to care passionately about the club but not everybody can always do everything and as you mentioned it's busy lives and there's everything else but maybe if we can work out what's the best way to communicate with everybody mm. is it Twitter, is it BRFCS is it through Browns, is it Facebook or is it something that's yet been invented or whatever but what's the best way what do people feel happiest with as a way of keeping in touch with each other, basically? We've got an email list going as well, which I didn't really want to keep going for brands because it seems to be just one-way traffic, and it's got to be more than that. There's got to be other people involved. So, uh, I don't know, it's whatever whatever's going to work to try and get more and more people involved. And, and if they don't want to be involved, then that's all right as well. But maybe we'll just keep it down to... Does the door and meet up every now and then and do whatever we do. That was the point I was trying to make about the, the club being more than entertainment. It just um, mm. you know, galvanises community in, in Blackburn itself and over here as well. Like, uh, you know, I never knew these guys before, you know, we, we all got together and we got uh, relegated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we put a curse on it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, I think that's what it's all about, really. You know, just coming together and doing that. I think there's definitely a, a fairly unique perspective um, from from Australian Rovers fans, possibly possibly international fans generally, but there's definitely a unique perspective there that I think is uh, valuable and and could be valuable to could be valuable if it was if it was seen beyond just you know, could could be valuable I guess there's a there's a unique perspective that could be valuable to people. Uh, outside of just the international community, it'd be good to, uh, if, if local, if the local base was as aware of the international base as as we are of them, I guess. Yeah, because I think it's I think it is valuable having it's a different perspective, and a lot of people would would I think would assume that it's a better perspective or more valuable if you're there and you attend all the games and you know everything about what's going on behind the scenes, but. It's also valuable for them to see what we're, what we, what we see from here, and, and how we see things. And it's like uh, I think that's one of the Lebenki's um, aims, really, to take Blackburn Rovers to global level or you know, international recognition. But um, it seems through your podcast and the website um, and us just getting together, we're doing it ahead of them <laughs> in very small uh, groups. But um, the wheels there. You know, so. yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking. Um, 
about att- attendances as well at the moment. So um, the, the Steve Keen process obviously over the achieved their aim. If, if it did make any any difference, if that's one of the factors of why he walked out left. Um, but now we're still, I guess, with away fans included, we're still getting about fourteen and a half thousand people at Ewood. Um, are there people still intent on protesting with their absence at the moment, or it's hard to say? Are, are there only those fourteen and a half thousand real Rovers fans, and the rest were there to see just Premier League football? I was wondering the same thing as someone who, as as people who, uh, you know, really put your daily life out of whack just to you know watch your tele, tele watch the television or listen to a radio stream. Well, where are those? Five, possibly ten thousand people who are missing from the home games, and what's their? Why, why are why are they missing? Yeah, we used to be. What was it? Well, it was an average of 24, 25 yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. So there's around ten thousand fans missing. And are they protesting or were they there? Well, I think you've got to go back to what was the average attendances when we were in other tiers. I mean, I don't know whether our attendance now is that much different from what it was when we were in what's now called the Championship. You know, so I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of people will. Will go because it's the it's the Premier League, and uh, uh, if it's not the Premier League, they might not go anywhere. You know, I don't know. Yeah. The when we last went down, we were still getting uh, sort of seventeen, eighteen to right. nineteen thousand yeah. uh, in the Championship. Uh, so <clears throat> there's a, a natural wastage at that time of maybe three, four, three, four, five thousand because we're not in the Premiership. This time it's. There's an extra factor in there, and uh, that that is general disillusionment, I think. And I think that's actually linked in here um, in Melbourne. Um, I was very happy to meet up with uh, Matt C and also with uh, my car. And in Sydney, uh, got together with Robbo. Uh, all three are active on the forum. Um, it would have been nice to have met a, a few others, uh, just like uh, John is uh, alluding to with regard to some of the members we were hoping would uh, uh, join us tonight. Um, I see that as kind of sim- symptomatic of, of, of what's happening. Um, a year ago, everyone was eager to know what was going on, what on earth is going on at our club. And this year, um, I think there's a, a general air of resignation and uh, it's not—it's nothing whatsoever to do with them uh, being you know, uh, half-hearted or not passionate. I, I think there's a, a general sense of uh, disillusion with uh, with what has gone on. Uh, yeah, and uh, there's uh, other factors that uh, John John Lee uh, and I were talking about before uh, about the, the, the football in general, the Premier League, money, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, with regard to Rovers specifically, um, the last two years of Venkis have no- knocked the stuffing out of people, I think. Yeah, but I, yeah. I like to think we've turned a corner. And I want maybe, yeah. I'm, wildly, I'm always optimistic and hoping mm. that things are going to get better. Mm. But um, I think that if we haven't completely turned a corner, we're starting to turn a corner. And... Uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to. Mm. Hopefully next year, you know, mm. if things carry on like they are, we, mm. we should start off in a better shape than, mm. uh, than we did this year. Mm. I, I think people will 
they want to see attractive football, and they they want they want to be to experience a good atmosphere in the ground. Yeah, and uh, both those two things have been missing. Whether it's attractive football or not, nobody likes losing. Mm. An attractive football comes on top of the not like losing. Thing. Yeah, but I don't know whether people will be attracted to go to the games so they can see Rovers not losing. It's a story, though, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure if it is. I think uh, that I think that what people are looking for is actually to hear that there's been a bit of excitement and that yeah, there's been something yeah. something you know. I but think I think uh, you know a nil all draw against uh, against Barnsley isn't really going to inspire anybody to go back. It isn't, but there's the Artaud uh, Labor as well, and if Pete, if Blackburn people mm. like seeing players rolling their sleeves up and doing oh, yeah. what they need to do as well. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but I think, I think that's... I do want to see some of that commitment and, yeah. and put a shift in and do your job. But I think what you're talking about there is existing fans. Existing yeah. fans yeah. who are committed, they want to see the yeah. players yeah. trying hard. But I think what we're also talking about is... Um, just, you know, yeah, to, to constantly... You just just to just to maintain, you've got to be renewing, yeah. uh, and any, you know you've got to be bringing new people. Yeah. We've always been we've been quite lucky, really, to have a team with, with a hardworking, all your things up attitude. But there's always been a few sparks yeah. that sets everyone on light as well. Yeah. As you, you were talking about Damien Duff earlier, a really good example. During you know a team team managed by Graham Soonis, still managed to have a lot of. Yeah. A lot of players in there with great yeah. skill and yeah, really Hanson. exciting. Mike Hanson as well. And Hughes yeah. as well, you know. These, yeah. these weren't players who these weren't players who, you know, this wasn't Pele or Maradona, this was these were players who were yeah. pretty hard hard guys and yeah. obviously they had good technique as well, but as as players they that wasn't their game. Well that team uh, had the correct balance I think of um, mm-hmm. grit, hard work and that spark of creativity that you need to score one more than the opposition you know, and get the, yeah. the three points. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll see that soon in the new setup. Yeah. I think yeah. I think what you were, you were quite right, John, with what you said about possibly being optimistic, but there's always the anxiety about what's going to happen at the end of this season, yeah. which I think oh, for me is a yeah. is a is a big worry. Yeah. Uh, continuing as we would go would be would be great because I think we're on the right track. We could be on the right track. Uh, but we could. It's so unpredictable. The, the ownership has been and the management has been so unpredictable. The, the God, financial you know, uncertainty. Yeah. You know, it's just, no yeah. one. I mean, perhaps people do know, but from what we can tell here, no one knows what what the books are like. No one knows where the money's coming from, really. Uh, no one knows what what the the great debt we're racking up uh, doing this is being uh, tied up against. So there's a lot of uncertainty there, which which I think is uh, worrying. Perhaps that's um, another reason just thinking that there's so there's fewer fans these days because Britain is in a pretty deep recession, really. Um, these are pretty unprecedented financial times. And I think the cheapest ticket at Rovers is still about £15, which is a lot of money. Mm. You know, it's 20 times in the season. Yeah, 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 20, yeah. It's, it really racks up. And um, the cost of living in the UK, especially petrol and stuff like that, is very expensive. Uh, so, yeah, it could be a factor as well. But, Yeah, the the other aspect for me is uh, I wonder whether Rovers fans are seeking closure on the last two years, that they want to see some kind of justice served on the people that they view as being responsible for this. Um, whether that will be sufficient to bring the numbers back or whether that will just make them say, ah, oh, told you so. 
I don't know, but uh, I do get this strong feeling that, um, that there's this uh, kind of tug between those who just want to get on with it and those who want to say, we want to bring those responsible to justice, or at least just know, know in our own minds that you know this, this and that happened and that these people are responsible for, for what happened. But that was a problem yeah. last season. There was, a, there was a tension between making the best of the situation mm. versus... Are we really just allowing the situation to happen? Uh, there's, there's a big tension between those two those two ways of thinking about it. Do we try and support it and see if we can get through to a better time, or do we actually say no, we're not going to let this happen, and and do what we can to to stop it? That was really the that was really the problem last season in terms of the community, and this season there's just been a sort of a hangover of that, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that the the Vinkies wouldn't have to do an awful lot to 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 rebuild all of those bridges. Um, I mean, there'll be some people who will never be reconciled. But you know, turning up to the game, uh, you know, at the last minute in Rolls Royces, um, you know, leaving half time. Well, as well. But I mean, the the whole cultural and uh, uh, sense of um, understanding what they're a part of. They've, they've got to. They've got to find some way of communicating that in a positive way. And, uh, well, maybe know, they were trying to communicate it in a positive way, tr- I'm reass- sure, to yeah. reassure people that we've got this wealth, and yeah. that's our demonstration. They, they, may, well, they, may, well have, they may well have done that. Yeah. And, I you think know, someone can... communicated with a snowball. Well, they did, <laughs> but the thing is that, that um, you know, if they don't understand yeah. um, what they need to do to, to try to win something back, then, you know... Um, it's making it much more difficult for them. They're making it much more difficult for themselves. Yeah. You know, they should be taking, uh, they should be listening to advice and realizing that um, how you conduct yourself and what you think about yourself and your business and how you live in your own country is one thing, but to be owners of a football club that you want to be successful may be demanding certain other things of you, and you have to understand that that's that's what you do. You know. I know there's been a, a big clamour for Venkis to come out and say sorry and apologise yeah, yeah, for yeah. it. And to me, I'm not really interested in them yeah. saying sorry yeah. because I think it would probably be an empty sorry. I just want them to tell us the truth going forward. And I'm not. What's gone is gone, and there's yeah. no there's no point saying sorry for it because it's gone, and I wouldn't even believe the sorry is anyway. Just tell us the truth going forward, and if if things aren't as good financially as they may be, then just tell us we're not spending money because this is the financial position that we're in. That's that's the way Bill Fox always did things. Carl Oyster. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, it's, I it's and if you can't do it, then people will hold their hand up and say, well, fair enough. We understand why you can't spend the money, and that's fine. Yeah. There, is a, there is a way back for the bankers, I think, with the yeah. fans. Just stop. If, if they were to, yeah, yeah. just be, you know, just plain speaking, honest. Yeah, yeah. honest. And just stop. Um, there's never any way back for Steve King because he just burned no, his bridge. No, 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 that's right. No. In my opinion, <laughs> yeah, okay. The other thing they've got to do is show a bit of um, show a bit of passion, show a bit of um, affiliation um, to the club as a football club, yeah. not just as an asset um, or a business venture. You know. Yeah. So if if the fans see them being enthusiastic and uh, excited when the team does well, um, then you know that would make yeah. a difference. I was really glad that. Uh, the two brothers were at the Arsenal game. Mm. That was 
I'm hoping that that might have sunk in with them to finally realise that that's what it's all about, being a Robbies fan. You've got your backs to the wall, you've got a chance and you take it and you come away and you're happy with it, yeah? Mm. It doesn't always work, but when it does work, it's really good. And uh, Hopefully it was good for them to actually be there and to see the way that, uh, that what it means to the club. Yeah? Yeah. Or it could be. Yeah. It, it, it seems... Uh, the, it seems that the um, situation at the club as well is that there's no one... Man, the manager is taking... And that, that this goes for the Steve Keane era as well, which I think was the one thing that maybe I would have a little bit of sympathy for Steve Keane for, if anything, was the fact that he was hung out to dry. Yeah. He, the, the management has consistently been the only person in the club who's prepared to take any responsibility for anything. Uh, maybe Chevy would be an exception, but uh, he's obviously out of the picture now, it seems. But as well as a manager, you need someone in administration, whether that's the owners, whether that's the chairman of the board, whether that's the uh, managing director or the general manager. You need someone else there as a, a figurehead and a leader in a public way. Yeah. And we don't, we don't have that at the moment. There's one game that the Vicky should be present at. Is it? Uh, I can't remember the exact date next month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have to be there, surely, for uh, what would be... That must have to be a setup against uh, Burnley. Yeah. 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 So, then I'll understand. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting because uh, the fans won't know who to direct their hostilities towards. Should sit in the Darwin and <laughs> in the Hundred Club. Yeah. Actually, there's a when when uh, Black Anders Allardyce Blackburn came to Sydney. Some of you might remember, and yeah. that was fantastic. I flew down and went to two of the three games we played. Uh, and and actually after the after one of the games, uh, I half the players just walked past and they were going out to do a, a drill, uh, some kind of uh, fitness fitness training. And they walked past me. I met some of them and and uh, they did this fitness training for half an hour. And then they, they went back. I met some of them again. And uh, and yeah, that was that was absolutely that was absolutely fantastic. Got my phone lost with it, but. Well, the other thing was then when we went to Brockall and you, um, yes. you met... Uh, met Tugai. Tugai, yeah. That was excellent, yeah. yeah. We, were, we, we just turned up... Dad took me to Brockall. Uh, we just turned up in the, you know, at any random point. We were uh, taking my grandma out to lunch. And we turned up and the players were just leaving training. And that was, that was great. We got to see, uh, you know, there was... Keith Andrews drove, drives out in a Bentley and... Meet two guy and then uh, Matt Derbyshire you know, goes out on a push bike or whatever. Uh, no, it wasn't Matt Derbyshire, was it? No, it was, uh, it was uh, <laughs> uh, the Lakers playing from sort of Burnley now, um, Irish fella. Yeah, he was Winger. Keith someone. Keith Andrews was in the first time. Aston Martin. Yeah. <laughs> he had his backpack on, yeah, and his. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, he was kind of he was a, he was a, he was a young player. He was and he was a winger. Keith Tracy. Keith Tracy. Keith Tracy. But again, you know, it's that. It's that um, I don't know what it's like with with other other clubs, but I mean, um, when you're looking at a you know a worldwide phenomenon that's big show business and big money, to actually be able to go and um, uh, experience that. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's it's a, it's a real human connection. Actually, it's interesting because uh, a little bit off the point here. Um, well, the last time I went to Canberra to to the to, to Parliament House, I was able to see like the leader of the opposition carrying his little kid out, you know, from the from the entrance, putting him in the car and driving off with his wife. 
Uh, that's perhaps particularly an Australian thing, because I know it probably can't happen anymore in Canberra, Canberra either, but you can't even get anywhere near the House of Parliament in, in London. But I think that Australians, and probably Blackburn people and people of that ilk, they, like you were saying before, you know, David Dunn was well known around the pubs, for example, that it's, it's, it's where you've got something that's, you know, stupendous on the one hand, but it's also very human, and I actually have spoken to that fellow, you know, that, that it's, it's a huge thing about creating connection. And so that visit to Sydney, for example, or going around to Black Rock, or yeah. the things that actually help to... help to. Um, well, that was that was the trust making a global, global centre, wasn't it? Yeah. Because he'd gone to India, yeah. uh, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the importance of a football club to the local mm-hmm. community, which is the point I was trying to make before, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Um, to business as well, and all the wealth that it brings to the local area. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but just, uh, yeah, that sort of interaction between the fans and them. And, uh, and, I think, yeah. um, and that's where I think the uh, uh, Rovers, uh, Radio Rovers is good, because I think those post-match interviews and stuff, and that kind of thing, again, it's, that, it's creating that kind of connection yeah. between the players as real people and the fans, you know. That's right. Because mm. uh, obviously uh, the Premier League and most of the big clubs are well, they are, it is big business now, isn't it? And um, yeah, that's um, a fundamental truth that you know, football is for the fans, and if the fans weren't there and they didn't feel connected to the club, there would no, be no point in, in, in any of it at all, really. To be Ultimately, it's yeah. just playing a game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, we've um, come to a juncture. Uh, in the podcast, uh, she's rather serious. Um, our glasses are nearly empty. <laughs> nearly? <Neither. laughs> <laughs> well, three hours of the time are totally empty. Um, uh, just wondering, uh, do, do you have any other points that you, you want to raise? Um, I don't know if it's a point, but it's a discussion item just to throw around the table, just to canvas some opinions. The mm. Rovers uh, trust what does that mean to us people who are sat on the other side of the world and personally speaking I don't have a massive amount of dollars to throw no. at this sort of thing and I don't know if my contribution can make much of a change to anything but uh, what do you think George you got? I think there was the pre- the, the initial model that came forward which was uh, I know Daniel Grabko and uh, Wayne Wild their sort of venture um, and I think from that what we probably learned was it's about finding the right model to allow uh, people to get involved. I think that was that was uh, quite ambitious, and you know you can say what you want about it, but there was a lot of discussion about you know can't afford that. Yeah, that's, I, I won't be represented because I can't afford that kind of investment. So I think if there was to be something like that, and I think it could have could have good potential uh, as a as a administration and, and ownership model. Okay. Um, it need, needs to find a, the right model and the right the right balance to actually allow yeah. people to get involved because people will come forward with money. Yeah. It's just the amounts of money they might come forward with and and um, the way that might be managed. You mentioned about affordability. I've been in touch with the trust, and there's nothing at all to stop us or any other supporters group to unite and to um, do it a pledge as a group. So whether it's from brands in uh, Australia, New Zealand, or whether it's from Asia or America or New York City or wherever it may be, there's nothing at all to stop you all 
getting together as a group and making mm. your pledge, which uh, I thought that was uh, a really good and encouraging yeah. move from them, that it doesn't have to be just as the individual. So I, maybe I, guess, I guess it also comes down to uh, individual groups like ourselves getting organised and, yeah. and discussing it. Yeah. Uh, which, which is a bit, which would be very important. Yeah, yeah. And people can still do things on their own. If, you know, if you've got that amount of disposable, then that's fair enough. You can maybe do your own individual one as well. But there's, as a, there's also the issue of what what kind of stake would it be? Would there yeah. be any real, would there that's be any real say in the running of the club, or would we just be, you know, helping helping whoever the the owner is, whoever the incompetent owner is, yeah. uh, to to stumble their way through, uh, you know, whatever it is they're doing, yeah. destroying the club. Mm. I, I um, paid my money to, um, you know, just to take out the membership. Yeah. Um, to me, I think uh, it's the kind of thing where a lot of groundwork is being done, and I think to some extent, um, until there's a plan and there's, well, it's an opportunity, you know, it, it won't come to anything or it'll be an unknown quantity. I think if an opportunity comes along, whether it's uh, uh, to be involved in some kind of part ownership, or whether it ends up being some kind of a, you know, a serious, uh, serious claim on, on owning the club, I think it's only at that time that it will um, become clear. Uh, my concern about it, that slightly, and this may be, this may be based on a misapprehension, but my concern is that people who the people who are putting all the effort in, and it's a big effort and a big commitment, but to set up and to run the trust, I've got to be really, really careful how they're communicating with the community, and in particular, if, if there's any whiff that they think that they're running they're running the show, Agreed. I think that's yeah. very dangerous, yeah. and I yeah. think, again, it's a bit of a problem because the kind of entrepreneurial personality that's likely to get, get involved in this kind of thing very often they, they may not actually be sensitive enough to that, the, the kind of... It's, it's a trust, you know, it's a community trust, and that, they've got to go, that's really got to be communicated through what they say and what they do and how they do it. So I think um, it's a great idea, it's very exciting, um, but, you know, um, whether or not that, that model of a, a supporter's own football club at the highest level can work, I'm not sure. Certainly from other organisations that I'm involved in, if you have um, a uh, a trust that's say if the, if the club was owned by a trust, I'd like to see that to be a you know a small a small group of people who um, had really got expertise and acumen, and the the wider community group which has a stake is more like keeping them honest mm-hmm. and operating as a as a support group and providing the if you like the uh, the cream on the cake. Um, to me, that would be that would be a kind of model that I think would be more likely to be successful. But that's just my personal view. I think I just have to ask a question about because I'm not I'm, I'm, I don't quite understand how um, there will be continued funds from this trust for for um, uh, transfers and you know we may be successful in buying out the club outright and owning it. But um, what's what's the model for um, generating? Revenue to uh, to spend on transfers and keep the club successful. I think I think it's uh, uh, ultimately not that much different to uh, the Walker Trust. If you think about it, what once they have ownership, I don't think that per se is such a, a massive um, problem. 
if you think the Walkers Trust didn't put a great deal of money in, uh, net, you know, in net terms, but what three, three to five million? But that's but uh, that's a great deal of money. It's a great deal of money in one sense, yeah. but um, uh, we're not talking ten, twenty, thirty million. Um, and also, if you remember, the amount of money that's coming in through Sky has yeah. gone through the roof. But a lot of that from about the players and agency, I presume. Well, yeah. that's the problem. Under Walker's yeah. Trust, where we're not yeah. spending 95% of the revenue on wages. It becomes, still becomes very important at that yeah. stage that you have very, very good people in the yeah. important roles, which yeah. we were lucky yeah. enough to have for but a while. Yeah. You still need a benefactor in some way who's going yeah. to put the hand in the pocket. Right. And yeah. I don't know how you yeah. get that out of supporters. If there's yeah. a shortfall of five mm. million each year. No. Where's it going to come from? Well, I think the other thing is it's 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 it's, it's not a club issue. It's a it's a league issue, and say mm. for example in Germany they, they do it very differently. But um, you know the financial model that's been allowed to um, been allowed to go ahead, even though they're talking about pulling it back, um, trying to trying to get more um, uh, accountability, I suppose, and some kind of some kind of balance between the commercial, what's coming in commercially, with what the club is actually allowed to spend. Even though that's a good a good move, I think that perhaps in England it's been allowed to go too far, and you've just got uh, far too many foreign owners and people who are really owning football clubs because they ultimately they want to make money out of merchandising or whatever. Well, they just uh, Sorry? Or they're just incredibly vain. Or, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah well, just yes. Yes, aren't they? Yes, yes, some yeah. of them. So, um, to me, um, I don't think any one club can can necessarily uh, put all that to one side. They, they, they've got to be part of that somehow. And as you say, at the moment, the only way which I can see that happening for a club like Rovers is uh, there has to be people who basically are generous enough yeah. and will get enough reward from, from hopefully success to yeah. actually put money yeah. in. But I mean, again, you feel, you know, I can see the Vinkies situation. They, they're, they're, they're expected to keep putting their hands in their pocket with absolutely no guarantee of any improvement from where we are now. Even, even if they, even if the Vinkies themselves um, completely change their attitude to the club, um, they're still going to be able to put a lot of money in, and it's still, it's still a gamble. Yeah. I think there's, uh, around Blackburn, there are a, a number of sort of successful medium sized businesses and businessmen interested. Well, I don't. Mm. I don't know if there is. I think anyone else would tell me that somebody, you know, mm. with, with the sort of wealth that could, you know, if we really need to be bailed out or, you mm. know, um, or, or to buy an expensive player that may come on the market, we could could go for. You know, is there something? That, I don't think there's that man around at the moment. Mm. We don't. We don't need. We don't necessarily need expensive players, though. We need players who will. We need players who will do a job under a competent. Competent manager and competent management. True, yeah. and uh, yeah. But if we didn't have Jordan Rhodes this year, we'd be quite good. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't yeah. had competent, necessarily yeah. competent management or competent yeah. manager. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Venkis, like I said before, I mean, on saving grace, really, they did put their hand in it, eight million straight up for Jordan Rhodes, and then you know you had other championship um, uh, managers moaning about uh, 
the wealth of Blackburn, which I haven't heard for about 20 years. But. Yeah, but there's been a lot of money coming in as well the, from transfers. From, you know, well, that was going to say, so and apparently there's parachute payments. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, uh, so whether it is them purely putting their hand in the pocket, I don't know. But possibly. Nobody. There's but lots Vicky's, of other bills as well that have got to be covered. Vicky's biggest asset now is, is the youth. The youth academy that was very, very good. And hopefully they will at least sustain that. I'm not convinced that they'll sustain it, though. I think we'll the youth run. academy attracts people because you're playing for a Premier League team, and then as soon as you become a mediocre, middle-of-the-table championship club, who wants to send your 14-year-old well, you kid to go and play You can, you can develop a culture no. of, of developing of development, like Southampton are a good example. So but they're in the no. Premier League. Well, they weren't, no, though. They weren't. Yeah. I think from the point of view of parents... But they had the structure and everything was in place to take them into the Premier League. And at the moment at Blackburn, it just seems a downward spiral. Right. The problem it could potentially... That. If you're a parent and you're fortunate enough to have a child who's in that position, yes, yeah. you look at it and Blackburn's not as attractive an option as no. it used to be. Even well, on that that's model, true. We'll end up being like a, a West Ham type of oh, team sure, who, sure. Um, who bring... Yeah, fantastic at bringing players up through the ranks yeah, and then yeah. sell them on for a profit yeah. a little bit, you know, but I think that's lots of Frank Lampard. Yeah. You know. I think that's <laughs> the best we can hope for. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, there's always going to be those who've, uh, who are unrealistic, and, and their kids are probably unrealistic too, and maybe you don't necessarily want those kids. Mm. But I think, as a parent, what you really want to, to know is that your kids are going to be safe, they're going to be looked after, and above all, that their potential is going to be nurtured in positive ways. Yeah. And I think that's in, that, that's what an academy needs to sell itself on. I mean, we're not going to come we're not going to compete with Man United or Liverpool, whether in the Premier League or not, as far as stars in the eyes yeah. is concerned. Yeah. So I think George's right up to a point. I think that uh, um, you know, what's been achieved there and what is there um, is, a, is a really important building block for, yes. for some of them um, in the future. And I agree. George is right yeah. to an extent, but they can't yeah. just rest on the laurels oh. and say, you know, we've got ourselves in such a good position that yeah. everybody's automatic. You've still got to strive all the time, and your first team is a reflection on the the, the kids that you can that you can recruit. Yeah, yeah. But, but but what league you're in isn't this? I mean, you can no. perform very admirably in the second in League Two. You can show great. You can show you can show great qualities in League Two. Look at Crew, tremendous club. Yeah, and and. I mean, a smart parent wouldn't necessarily go, oh, fucking Rovers, they're in the championship. I, I wouldn't, I want my kid to play for Chelsea, you know. We'll, yeah. we'll do whatever it takes to get my son at Chelsea. Yeah, we've still got that academy needed. infrastructure that Jack yeah. Walker built for us. And, um, of course, um, I think Blackburn Rovers are still a, a trusted club uh, from academy level to, to bring up um, you know, professional players. And they can go on to you know, play for our first team. And then, of course, as we've discussed before, if they... If other clubs, uh, bigger clubs, start looking at them, then they go on to that as well. But um, yeah, I think uh, our track record, you know, bringing up um, some quite fantastic players, really, yeah. is will stand us in good stead, hopefully, for the future. Mm-hmm. That's what I hope for. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I hope. So. Um, part of the the worry was that we were signing some mediocre foreign players that were just stifling our production flow. Portuguese six or whatever it was, we should have had our good Henleys and so on that are coming through from the youth team and getting into the first team instead of these other nobodies really coming in and clogging up the system. You need to. The thing that will attract young players is thinking you've got a chance to get in the first team at some stage and then you've got a chance to shine. But if you're just bringing in nobodies really that's clogging it all up, Linganzi is just signed for Accrington Stanley, and it's players like that they're just going to. 
make a mess of the whole situation. You've got to, if somebody's good for the first team, sign them, absolutely not a problem. But if all they're going to do is float around just somewhere and be in the F, ephemeral and not really do anything, what's the point of even having them at the club? Too many yeah. senior players who weren't competing for yeah. the first team position. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and how Henley went missing after his performances at, yeah. at Liverpool and then United yeah. last right. season is just yeah. an absolute mystery. And he came yeah. back this season and, is, and was just fantastic. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Jack Keane play, obviously, but mm. the reports that you're hearing from him is you know, absolutely great. In, in the Arsenal game, he's yeah, very, yes, very right. I did see the Arsenal game. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. But um, yeah, mm. we just need to keep more of those players going through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on a positive note, but uh, in recognition of <laughs> a completely useless situation, we now have four glasses that are empty. <laughs> and got oh, actually, uh, five glasses. Sorry, <laughs> very soon. Um, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank uh, you all for coming on today's podcast. Uh, thank you ever so much, George. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah. You enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah it's good. It's good to, you know, you assume that I'm just, I'm just going to be a consumer of this kind of thing, so mm. to contribute is very, uh, very mm-hmm. good, yeah. Good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks very much. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Richard, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. John? I, I, it's I, just I, good to get everybody around a table and have a chat and yeah, yeah, it's good. I think we're all saying the same thing. Really. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and no matter what different sort of supporters, club or association mm. or whatever, everybody's saying the same thing. We just want Rovers to do well, don't we? Mm. That's yeah, what it is. At the end of the day. We want to get some kind of uh, enjoyment out of it, at least. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Enjoyment. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a miserable couple of years, but... Um, it's good to get around the table and some fellow Blackburn Rovers fans. And, yeah, that's what it's all about for me. Thank you. Well, uh, thanks ever so much to everyone here, and thanks ever so much to everyone listening. Uh, wherever you are in the world, we do hope you do take good care. Thank you. <laughs>